Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. Hey, Mac. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Glad to have everyone here today. Hey, uh, a couple of things from me. From me, uh, first of all, thanks for your generosity, guys. I really appreciate um, you're giving tithes and offerings to the church. We've been able to make budget every month uh, since we started the church, and uh, really appreciate that. And that's even with setting aside 10% to go out to outreach and missions. So you guys have been really faithful in that, so I'd appreciate that. So just to thank you. And then secondly, uh, I wanted to follow up on the baptism that's coming up. So if you have never been baptized as an adult, but you're a follower of Christ, I would encourage you to consider getting baptized. The Bible says to repent and be baptized. And baptism is an outward profession of an inward conversion. So we can find Jesus and decide to be a follower of Christ, you know, at, at our houses, in our rooms, by ourselves. Um, but God calls us to make that public, and uh, that's what baptism is. It's a public declaration. So if you've never been baptized before or never been baptized as an adult, I would encourage you to uh, sign up for one of the classes and, and uh, join the class, and we'll talk about it. And then secondly, if you've been baptized before as an adult, but you realize that you fell away from God for a long season and you're now following Jesus and you want to kind of redeclare that you're a follower of Christ, um, we would invite you to consider getting baptized as well. So that's coming up. Um, I want to see if anyone's wearing one of our t-shirts. I don't see anyone. We have Lighthouse t-shirts here at the church, and we want to get rid of them uh, so that we can maybe get some new ones. So um, we have plenty of them back there at the Welcome Center. We reduced the price from $10 down to $5. And we now also have a a debit card, credit card reader. So if you don't have cash, you can pick that up. So if you would, pick up a t-shirt if you don't have one after service. We are in a series right now called Tough Topics. Tough Topics, uh, Living at Peace Without Compromising Scripture. And it's been uh, an incredibly challenging series for me (laughs) as a teacher, uh, but it's been really good. Uh, I appreciate you guys being along for the ride. But our key scripture is Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And I love that scripture because, it, again, it, it affirms the goal is to live at peace with everyone, but it also acknowledges that it may not be possible, but you're supposed to give it your best try. So that's, that's the plan. And then last week, we talked about how our culture is really moving towards immodesty and even nudity. It's just, it's just, just so prevalent. And we talked about how we are supposed to live at peace in a culture where uh, that's very different than what Jesus preached. <laughs> and what the Bible preaches. So we had the message title was nudity and modesty going counterculture, and two counterculture biblical truths where God's standard is absolute sexual purity. That's what he calls us to, absolute sexual purity. And on our Facebook page, we put up a a link to some resources on how to put restrictions on our phones and on our kids' phones and on our computers and that type of thing. So if you're interested, go to our Facebook page and you can pull up those resources. But that's God's standard is absolute sexual purity and that modesty is a biblical expectation, both for men and women. God wants us to live a modest life compared to where our culture is headed towards a very immodest lifestyle. So if you want to get caught up on that message, you can listen 
uh, off of our website or download our podcast. So for today, though, they say that if you're going to go to a graduation party, which we all are, or you go to a birthday party or something like that, and you don't want to, there to be any arguments, what, what are the two things you shouldn't talk about? Politics and religion, right? I mean, that's, that's the two. Well, today we're going to talk about both, just so you know. So if you're a prayer warrior, you can go ahead and start interceding right now. Appreciate that. Politics, oh my goodness. Man, 2016 election, was that crazy or what? I mean, for those of you that have been around long enough to have lived through a couple of elections, that one was over the top. You know, I've been through a lot of elections. Sometimes the Democratic Party won. Sometimes the Republican Party won. Uh, But 2016, man, there was so much anger. There was so much name-calling, frustration. And then it had this surprise ending, right? It was like, whoa, Trump won. I don't even think Trump thought he was going to win. You know, it was just like this big surprise at the end that Trump wins. Uh, Hillary was a little disappointed, I'd say. Maybe just a lot disappointed. You know, and then, and then you had all of these uh, Hollywood types, actors and actresses, who were like, hey, if Trump wins, I'm moving to Canada, right? I mean, they said that, yeah. I know, we have a couple people waving goodbye back there. Um, but yeah, if, if Trump wins, I'm moving to Canada or some other country. In fact, there was a list that I found this week of 23 of them. Here's a few names. Snoop Dogg, Whoopi Goldberg, Spike Lee, Samuel L. Jackson, Miley Cyrus, and Cher. They all said, man, we're out of here. I think they're all here, though, if I guessed. Um, but yeah, they were that upset. You know, and then also, um, remember back in 2016, after the election, there were those campuses, college campuses, where they were really upset. The kids were really upset. I think we have a picture. Yeah, this is of a cry-in, all right? They had a cry-in at Cornell University to mourn Trump win. So as reported by the Cornell Sun on Wednesday, this is right after the, the election, Over 50 fragile students gathered together on campus to mourn the Trump win with a cry-in, braving the cold wind and occasional rain, the sun unironically notes. Willard Strait Hall Resource Center employees gave out blankets, tissues, and hot chocolate to keep participants warm, while students signed posters with words of encouragement and protest, including, Donald Trump is not my president, reports the sun. Now, whether they like it or not, Donald Trump is actually their president, right? I mean, it did happen. And that election was incredibly unique. But I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure that the 2020 election is going to be much different. You know, I I think that the animosity, the anger, the hatred, the division that happened in 2016, I think that's going to probably happen again in 2020. In fact, I think it's a a precedent for the next several elections. So in 2020, we might elect Donald Trump to a second term, or we might elect Mayor Pete to become our new president, right? It could happen. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you how to vote. That's not the purpose of today's message. But I am going to encourage each one of us to vote. All right? I mean, that's that's what is most important as far as being an American in the United States is to use that God-given right to vote for our candidates. 
in 2019, just a couple of weeks ago, the Democratic primary for the mayor of Elkhart. Here's the results of this. Rod Robertson won with 1,700 votes and Ashley Bowling Molyneux had 1,300 votes. And just keep that in mind. 1,700 votes won that election. 1,700 votes. That is out of a, a population of the city of Elkhart of 52,558. 3.3% of the population won that vote. Interesting, isn't it? Our votes matter. Our votes matter. In the 2016 presidential election, the total votes were 136 million. And there, were, there was a lot of people voting, a high percentage compared to previous elections. And the total po USA population is 327 million. So only 41% of the population even voted in that election. Only 41%. Not, not even half of our country voted. Now they say that in the United States that 75%, somewhere between two-thirds and three-quarters three of the population would associate with Christianity. And so you think about it, if everyone who calls themselves a Christian would just register and vote, then they would swing every election in this country. So again, I'm not going to tell you how to vote, but I am going to tell you, register, be informed, and vote your conscience. Let's make sure that we do vote. So it's important to register to vote. But today's message is not about voting. In fact, it's really not about politics as much. It's about the end result of politics, and that is our elected officials. I'm, talk, I'm going to talk about our government. And the question I have for us to consider today is, regardless of the 2020 election, who becomes president, regardless of who becomes the president, how are we as Jesus followers going to react? Or how should we react? How should we respond? And here's where I'm going. I believe that as Christ followers, we are called to a different standard than the rest of the world. We're called to act differently. We have a higher purpose, a higher goal. Here's a couple of scriptures that speak to it. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's handiwork created to do good works. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So we're chosen, we're special, we're called to declare God's praises. And Philippians 2.15 says, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. So when it comes to politics, when it comes to government, and how we respond to, to the situations during the election season, I believe we should look differently. We should act differently. What we share on social media should be different than what we see people outside of the church doing. We're supposed to shine as blameless and pure children of God. And I think that our scripture today is going to give us some guidance on how to respond to our government and to our government uh, elected officials. So it's in the book of Romans, and you can turn there if you would like. Um, Romans is in the New Testament. 
You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then we have Acts and Romans. So it's right after Acts. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul, and it was written to the church in Rome. And if you think that our government is bad or oppressive, uh, well, you should consider what the early church had to go through. The Roman rule was incredibly cruel. So we're going to talk about that just a little bit. Let me explain this. The Romans conquered Jerusalem in 63 BC and took over that whole area. They weren't elected. They weren't worried about re-election. And they were just mean and they were cruel. They instituted crucifixion and actually made it popular during their time because they wanted to instill fear and conformity to the people that they were ruling over. They also had a, uh, a law called impressment because they could make you do just about anything. So the practice of impressment, which among other things allowed a Roman soldier to conscript a Jewish native to carry his equipment for one Roman mile or a thousand paces. No easy task considering a Roman soldier's backpack could weigh upwards of 100 pounds. So if you think about that, I was just kind of imagining that you know, compared to what we have today, you know. I mean, this, this was incredibly unfair. So if you were a Jew living during that time, and this could have happened to Jesus too, so Jesus might have been walking along the road, and up comes these soldiers coming his way. And the soldiers had every legal right to, hey, point you out and say, hey, I need you to carry my backpack. I'm tired. And so no matter where you were going, no matter where you were headed, you now had a detour, and so they take the backpack, throw it on you, this 100-pound, sweaty, dirty, dusty, stinky backpack of a Roman, an unclean Roman, and then you would have to carry it probably in the opposite direction, I'm guessing, because they were probably coming this way. So now you have to go 1,000 paces, a mile, the other direction. And I don't know about you, but I'd be walking along, I'd get to 999, 1,000, throw it down, call him some name in Arabic, you know, and then take off, you know, trying to catch up with my friends, try not to be late to work or, or whatever, probably cursing the Romans the entire time. And the Romans, I'm sure, didn't say thank you. You know, they just get to do this to people and just aggravate them. And if you didn't obey, well, they'd arrest you, and you wouldn't want to be an enemy of a Roman. You wouldn't want to be in a Roman prison. That wasn't a good place to be. So during that time, the Romans were hated. I mean, that government was hated. Israelites hated them. But now listen to what the Apostle Paul says, though. In chapter 13, Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of, one, of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. 
If honor, then honor. So today's message is titled Politics and Government, a Biblical Perspective. And I'm going to give us a couple of points related out of this passage, but let me pray and then I'll give them to you. So God, we come to you and recognize that the government is something that uh, you have used for your good. It is something that we are supposed to submit to, Father. And this is a difficult thing, Lord. But I pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and guidance today as we listen to this message, as we hear your scriptures, Father. And we invite your Holy Spirit to come and to speak to our hearts, Lord. Open up our hearts and our minds, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you can fill this in. Our government and its officials are, number one, established by God for our good. Established by God for our good. Two verses from that scripture. Verse one, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So God established them. And then verse four, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Sometimes those in leadership, those in authority, are good, and they bring good to the people that, uh, that serve them. And sometimes they are not so good, and they're a challenge. But you know what? Even during those times, God can use it for our good. It turns people, it can turn people back to them. Am I done? Is that, I'm sorry if I'm over. It's all right, Mika. Um, this past week, I was finishing up my time reading um, in the Old Testament, in First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and the, these are the stories of the kings of Israel and Judah. And if you read that section through, and I would encourage you, if you want to go back and understand the kingdom of Israel and Judah and how it split and what happened during that time over hundreds of years, what you'll see again and again and again is you'll see the kingdom of Israel pursuing God and things go really well with them. And then their hearts move away from God and they start worshiping idols and, and doing all these nasty things. And then God allows other kingdoms to come over and, and conquer them. And then in their distress, they turn around and call out to God, cry out to God, and then they're back serving God, and then God blesses them again. And you just see this up and down over generations of being blessed or being persecuted by their leadership. And it was God doing this. God was allowing good rulers, and he was allowing bad rulers to bless or to challenge them. There's an example of King Manasseh, and I want to read this in 2 Chronicles chapter 33, uh, starting with verse 9. But this is just an example of one of the kings and what happened. So, but Manasseh led Judah and the people of Jerusalem astray, so that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. By the way, during that time, God would speak to them through the prophets, that's, that's how he would say, you're going to be conquered if you don't start following me. You need to start following me. So the, the prophets would speak to them through that time. But they paid no attention. So finally, the Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. 
In his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. So God establishes our leadership. God establishes our country's leadership, our governing authorities. And he can use good leaders to bless us, and he can use not so good leaders to challenge us. I believe that, to push us towards him. So that includes our presidents, our governors, our mayors. They are all established by God for our good. And I believe, I really do believe, if we want to influence who is in leadership over our city, over our county, over our state, over our country, I think it's all about us. I think it's all about our hearts. So the best way to influence who our leaders are is to influence those around us. You can write this down. One way that we can influence our government is to shine Jesus to our neighbors. Because when we as a country, when we as a city pursue God and our hearts are moved closer and closer towards him, I believe that God will honor us and bless us with good leadership. By the way, one of the ways that we can impact our community directly right here around Lighthouse is to participate in our Black Party outreach. We're going to be reaching out into the community and telling them about Jesus and showing the real practical love of God, you know, through acts of service and, and so on. So if, if you want to participate in that, sign up. Just stop by the Welcome Center or go online and just sign up to volunteer that night. It's going to be a great time. So that's one of the ways that we can influence our government is to really shine Jesus to our neighbors. That's point number one. Our government and its officials are established by God for our good. And point number two, our government and its officials are to be respected and honored. I think we've really lost this in our culture today. Verses five through seven say, therefore it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes for the authorities or God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. I think over the last 10 years, I've never seen so much hatred and animosity verbalized towards our presidents. Now, I know in the last two and a half years, we've really seen an uptick from the, from the press. You know, the media really hates Trump, and they don't hold back on, on saying that. But even during the eight years that Obama was president, you didn't see much from the media, but boy, you saw a lot on social media. You know, a lot of people verbalizing their complaints towards Obama and his administration in not so Christian ways, if you know what I mean. You know, we as Christians are called to be different. We're called to act differently. And you know, you don't have to respect the person to respect the position. Let me say that again, because I think that's lost. You don't have to respect the person to respect the position. And the position of President of the United States deserves and demands our respect and honor. And Scripture would say, that that's true as well. So whether you agree with or disagree with Trump or whoever gets elected next, 
Our responsibility as, as followers of Christ is to show honor and respect. Now, the reason God wants us to do that, one of the reasons God wants us to do that, because it's right, it's the right thing to do, and people are watching us. And when we do not act in a way according to what Scripture says, it tarnishes our witness. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that. But it tarnishes our witness, because I don't know about you, but I'm trying to be a good example to people that I know that are outside the church, because my hope is that they see Jesus in me. That's my hope. Now, that's not always the case. You know, as much as I try, I'm, I'm not perfect. And I was reminded this week as I was putting this message together of a time when I was watching a softball game. One of my daughters was playing softball, and I'm sitting behind the umpire. Now, that's an interesting place to, to sit because you can actually see balls and strikes. You know, you know when the ump is on or when the ump is off. And, and on this day, on this occasion, our, our umpire was way off, all right? I mean, she was making some bad calls for our team. And I made sure to let her know every single time that she made a bad call. And it wasn't very Christ-like in, in my representation. So about halfway through the game, she calls timeout, gets up, goes over to our coach and says, I'm not going to continue to ump until he shuts up. And our, our coach is like, who? Who is that? It can't be the pastor sitting behind the home plate, is it? And he had to come over to me and, and ask, are you really saying anything? Like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of too much in the game. I'm sorry. I ended up having to apologize to the ump after the game. I felt so bad. Yeah. But the problem was, this is the problem. The coach is one of my friends, and, and, and he really would benefit, I think, from being part of a church. You know, and I've invited him to come to Lighthouse, but I wonder if one of the reasons he hasn't come yet is because of that day. You know, as much as I apologize, as much as I, you know, tried not to do that the rest of the season, you know, people are watching us. Many times we are the only Christ that they will ever see, and they're judging the entire Christian, Christian faith based on how we act. It's important. It's important. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. And get this, verse 17. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Guys, respect and honor are decisions that we get to make. We get to decide how we are going to treat those that rule over us, that lead over us. And I would just say, God cares about them, and he cares about the people around us. And our job is to honor those who lead us. Now, last week, David Platt had an opportunity to do this. And if you don't know who David Platt is, he pastors a large church and is a well-known speaker and teacher and author. Uh, really appreciate him. 
But he was, it was during the third service, I believe it's what he said, during the one o'clock service, he went back in the backstage area while they were preparing for communion. He was just kind of preparing his heart for communion. And one of his assistants came up to him and said, hey, uh, David, we have a, a unique request. We just got a phone call from the president, and he would like to have you pray for him. And David's like, wow, when is that? That's just in a couple minutes. He's driving by. He wants to know if you will pray for him. Well, last weekend, Franklin Graham had asked churches around the country to pray for President Trump, and President Trump uh, was basically wanting to go somewhere and have someone pray for him that day. And David Platt is like, I don't want to divide my church. I don't want to politicize the gospel. But then he was reminded of the scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that said we are supposed to pray for our leaders. So he agreed to pray for President Trump, and we're going to watch this um, video of it right now. So check this out. So we have a unique opportunity today as a church. Um, we just talked about how what unites us in this room is not our ethnicity, not our background, not our politics. What unites us in this room is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the word of God that tells us, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. We have, in this city, a unique opportunity to pray for leaders who are part of this church and leaders who stop in unexpectedly to this church. And so we, we, count, it, we count it an honor to be able to pray for any leader in any position, any leader from any party, including our current president. So I want to invite us to do what 1 Timothy chapter 2 says to do. Many of you may have seen that there was a call to, to particularly on this Sunday pray for our president. We don't want to do that just on this Sunday. We want to do that continually, day in and day out. So I want to ask us to bow our heads together now and pray for our president. Oh God, we praise you as the one universal king over all. You are our leader and our Lord, and we worship you. There is one God and one Savior, and it's you, and your name is Jesus, and we exalt you, Jesus. And we know we need your mercy. We need your grace. We need your help. We need your wisdom in our country. And so we stand right now on behalf of our president and we pray for your grace and your mercy and your wisdom upon him. 
God, we pray that he would know how much you love him, so much that you have sent Jesus to die for his sins, our sins. So we pray that he would look to you, that he would trust in you, that he would lean on you, that he would govern and make decisions in ways that are good for justice and good for righteousness and good for equity, every good path. Lord, we pray, we pray that you would give him all the grace he needs to govern in ways that we just saw in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that lead to peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. God, we pray for your blessing in that way upon his family. We pray that you would give them strength. We pray that you would give them clarity, wisdom, wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Please, oh God, give him wisdom and help him to lead our country alongside other leaders. We pray today for leaders in Congress. We pray for leaders in courts. We pray for leaders at national and state levels. Please, oh God, help us to look to you. Help us to trust in your word. Help us to seek your wisdom and live in ways that reflect your love and your grace, your righteousness and your justice. We pray for your blessings on our president toward that end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, what's interesting is that David Platt took a lot of criticism for doing that, for basically doing exactly what Scripture says to do, is to honor the president and then to pray for our leaders. And my hope, my hope is that we as a church, as a church leadership team, as a church body, that we would be open to praying for our leaders, whether it's the Republican Mayor of Elkhart, Tim Neese, or it's the Democratic Mayor of South Bend, Mayor Pete. If they would want to come and be, receive prayer, that we would be willing to pray for them. Or maybe we just pray for them during our personal times because we're called to do that. We're called to do that. So that's point number two. Our government and its officials are to be respected and honored. So as we move into uh, closing prayer, what I wanted to do is just, first of all, just see, is there anyone here that works for the government, whether you're a policeman, fireman, a teacher, uh, any offices. Do we have anyone here at all? Just raise your hand. We had some teachers first service. So what we want to do is we want to pray for them uh, in our closing prayer, and I also want to pray for us. So let's go ahead and all stand. And by the way, if you want prayer for anything, our, our prayer team would love to join with you and agree with you in prayer after service. Just come on up and sit in the front row and someone will pray with you. Um, but let's, let's just pray for our church and pray for our community. So Father, we come to you and we thank you for your word that is true, Lord. We thank you that you challenge us to be lights in a, in a dark generation and in, in a darker and darker culture, Father. And that you called us to be counterculture, Lord. So Lord, first of all, I just want to pray for uh, the mayor of Elkhart and the upcoming election, Father, that, that your will be done. 
Lord, give us good leadership. Give us a good mayor. Give us a good uh, chief of police, Father. And Lord, I pray that, that our hearts would be changed so that we're deserving of good leadership to receive blessing, Father. And Lord, I, I do pray for the state leadership. Just pray, God, that you would bless them, give them wisdom, give them courage to make right decisions. And Lord, be with our, our president too, Father. Just give him wisdom as David Platt prayed, Father. Just give him wisdom and discernment. And Lord, we pray for the upcoming election that your will be done. God, let your will be done. And Lord, during these times of political upheaval, Lord, I pray that we would be consistent as followers of Jesus, that our peace would not be set on the election results, our peace would be set on you, our joy would be, would be set on you, and that we would emit your love to those around us, Father. Pray that we would be counterculture, that we would do our part and vote, but more importantly, that we would tell people about the hope that is found in Christ Jesus, your son. So be with us, God, as we go. And I pray that you would be glorified by the people who attend Lighthouse Church, that we would be a light in this city. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.